Turn in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 and Genesis chapter 6. Luke 17 and Genesis chapter 6. If you're there, say amen. If you're on the screen, praise the Lord. But I'm sure your Bible's in your lap while you're on the screen. All right. Luke 17, 26. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered in the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Look at verse 30. Even so shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Genesis chapter 6. I'll give you a chance to turn there and let them get it on the screen. Genesis chapter 6. Are you with me? And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose and the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for he also is flesh yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they, the sons of God, bare children to them. The same became mighty men which are of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man. I want you just to see that. We're told today that our God is not a God of judgment, only love. And he said, I will destroy man whom I created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I want to speak to you this morning on a subject that your pastor has studied over the years, but this last year, very intensively, hundreds of hours, truthfully. It's a very controversial subject, and uh, I'm not so sure why it is to people. It's an area where there is room for several different types of interpretation, but the same thought is the same. Uh, I can be dogmatic where God is dogmatic, where God says, uh, for by grace are you saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's how you're saved. You can say that. But interpretation is left to our minds as we connect verse with verse, the spirit of the passage with the spirit of the passage, the context of the passage with the context. And there's some things I'll share with you today that will be very disturbing. Uh, some will say, I've, I've never heard of such. But I want to present it to you because this is where we are in our study. Uh, this is the fourth in our series of the signs of the time and the end of the age. And if God said right before the, the day of the Lord, and we've said this before, I want to keep repeating it. The day of the Lord is not a day, but a period of time. The day of the Lord is, uh, includes the rapture of the church, which is uh, the Lord coming for his people. 
and the revelation of the Lord Jesus when he's coming with his people to the earth. One, he comes in the air and the saints rise to meet him and the other, he comes to the earth and the saints with him. When he comes at the second coming, it's great judgment, uh, destruction, total victory, and then he'll usher in the millennial reign of a thousand years where peace and righteousness rules. But I want to speak to you this morning by the grace of God on the proliferation of evil and the demonic interaction between man and uh, of Satan's horde. And I pray that God will find me as one that trembles before him and is, want, I want to be balanced. But I'm going to give you the last 5%. Y'all know I'm just transparent. There's not much to me, but I'm just going to tell you. I don't have the luxury of being an armchair quarterback and standing in the back and just saying, watching TV, you know, well, I don't like that. I don't believe it. I have to teach the whole council. And so I can only teach what I understand. I can only preach what is evident. And in the places where I'm not sure, I'll tell you that I'm not sure, but there's still concrete elements that are there. That so whether it's this interpretation of a particular nation involved in the battle of Gog and Magog, or there's a particular nation left out, we know that there will be a battle. And we know that Christ will triumph and be victorious in it. So would you pray for me, especially this morning? Father, you know the wrestling that's gone on in my heart about this because the last thing I want to do is cause anyone uh, to stumble or stray. And that's why I'm asking you to let me communicate your word with clarity and not add to it and not take away from it. Your word is truth. And that's all I want to present today. My goal, Lord, is that we would leave knowing today that we're in the very last hour before the return of the Lord. I just, I know it according to scripture and in my heart. And I pray that we see this next chapter of Noah being a comparison to confirm to us to be ready, to have our house ready, to have our, our marriage ready, to have our actions and our goals and dreams so orchestrated that we won't be embarrassed at your coming. And that's what I pray today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. The days of Noah, number one, were clearly discernible. It said that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination and the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. How many of y'all know somebody that exaggerates? Don't, somebody just already poked the one next to him. Do you think that God exaggerates? Do you think God would add to something to make it sound? Here's what he said. Their intentions, the earth, the vast majority, was evil continually. Meditated evil. Planned evil. Celebrated evil. The Bible said the earth was entirely corrupt. It goes on in this passage where God destroyed the world. It said it was corrupt. It was corrupt. And that word corrupt means ruined. Beyond repair. The world had become that way. And one of the expressions, of course, was wickedness. The people were wicked. Utterly. Unashamedly. Excessively. 
consistently and progressively. I can only speak to my lifetime. I'm 55 years old. But the acceleration of evil. You, you can read all of the stories, read all historical accounts. We can match any generation with expression. But we have the bonus of being able to communicate with anybody else in the world instantaneously spreading the evil like wildfire. Complete wickedness, corrupt. The people were brutally violent. The wars in the last 90 years, and this is an approximate statistic in our world, has killed more people than during the previous 500 years combined. According to WHO, every year in the world, there are an estimated 40 to 50 million abortions. This corresponds to approximately 125,000 abortions a day. And I'm not going to get on the political stance, whether it's, I'm not even going to deal with, I'm not even going to deal with the right, the opportunity, uh, the necessity. We are a nation that fights in the streets with signs and anger that we may kill a child that would inconvenience me. And the issue is not that that's going on. The issue is that in our government and in our leadership, there's no one saying, the king has no clothes. Does anyone, does anyone see violent? And with, of course, the spread of, of the internet and now cell phones and movies, one of the most popular things on YouTube now is unprovoked violence. It'll show uh, 18-year-old boy, white or black, it doesn't matter, walk up to a man that's 60 or 70 walking the other way and just knock him out. And they'll show and his mouth will hit the pavement and, the, and his teeth will scatter. I saw one the other day and I, I just by research, I, and I hated it, I felt uh, so defiled uh, by watching it. There was a woman that was beat up by a man on the street. And by the way, side note, has nothing to do with this message. Uh, I wouldn't give you five cents for a man that would intimidate or overpower a woman. You're no man, sir, you're a coward. Just thought I'd throw that in there uh, for free. So this man beat this woman and she was left in a pulp and there was blood flowing from her mouth, her nose, and her ears. That's violent. Let me tell you what wicked is. There were 20 or 30 people around them videotaping it. No one checked on her. That's the day in which we live. And it's not a matter of excusing the seasons of the dark years and the inquisition and the other, but we have a violence that not only happens, but can be replayed. We have an evil that not only happens, but can be replayed. My child can push a button and turn on 60, 90, 100 channels that just dump wickedness and violence and immorality. We, we're screening everything. We got like two things we can record, you know, uh, and the only reason you have it in the country, if you have that, you, you just get static. You can't, you can't get the news in Forsyth. You have to, that was a joke, by the way. It's just. It's 
In the days of Noah, the people were preoccupied. The Bible says that they were just doing regular things. Marrying, giving in marriage, building. What this tells you is there just wasn't, no one took the time for God. Listen to this passage in Luke 21. Jesus said, take heed to yourselves and be on guard lest your hearts be overburdened and depressed. Weighed down with the giddiness, the headache, and the nausea of self-indulgence. See, if I live for myself, there's a giddiness there. There's a headache that comes from it and a nausea of self-indulgence. Drunkenness and worldly worries and cares pertaining to the business of this life. Lest that day come upon you as a trap or as a, a thief unawares. For it's going to come upon all who live upon the face of the earth. Keep awake and watch at all times. Praying, listen, praying that you are accounted worthy to escape the great and terrible day of the Lord. Well, I'm going. No, if I'm automatically going, why would he tell me to pray that I'd be accounted worthy to escape the great and terrible day of the Lord? It's not my works that make me worthy. But my works show the intimacy and the nearness and, and the uh, inclusiveness that I am in God. The reason I go back to heaven with Christ is because he's going back to heaven. And I'll be with him and in him and so with you. Your pastor prays all the time. I'm not fearful of my salvation. I'm not fearful of being left. I'm, the only thing I'm afraid of is my own carnality and deception that would make me think I was at a place I wasn't at. And I want to make, I want to be in Christ, in Christ. I want to be so far in, I stick out the other end, in. The people were unconvinced, warned, yet unconverted. The people were unprepared. Years ago, I saw a video of a man in one of the uh, tsunamis that followed the earthquakes in Japan, I believe it was. And maybe you'd seen it. It was years ago, but it, he was out standing in the water like knee deep and they're screaming at him from the hotel. Of course, it was half a mile away. No one could hear it. And the tsunami wave was coming at him from the back and he never saw it. And you just saw this wave and then he was just gone. The Bible says that in the same way they were wiped out in the world God's going to bring that level of judgment upon this world. And we've talked about it through the vows and the, and the bowls and the plagues and, the, and, the, and the, the great wrath that's poured upon the world in the book of Revelation. But they're unprepared. The people today are unrepentant, untouched, unmoved, callous, conscience seared, hard-hearted. The people were unconverted. No change of heart, change of mind change of direction or forgiveness. They're unapproved. They were weighed and found warning. Now, this is a hard concept to bear, but he brought out two days. He could have picked any two time periods. He said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. And as in the days of Lot, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. And Lord willing, next week I want to speak on the subject of the days of Lot. But I just submit this to you. In the days of Noah, eight people escaped. In the days of Lot, four people escaped. What does that say, Pastor Wood? 
it says to me, regardless of what you've heard on Christian television, that narrow is the way and few there be which find it. There's no other way to interpret it. I, I'll watch on television, oh, a lot more people going to be in heaven than you think. I don't, I, can't, I don't know. I just know that I want to judge myself to make sure that I'm in the faith. Jesus said, and many in that day. What day? The day of the Lord. Right before their final judgment at the great white throne, they will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and done many mighty wonderful works? Now, how many of you before you a Christian would have ever said that? I prophesy. I do many mighty wonderful works. I'm a, I'm a part of a local church. I'm part of missions. I pastor, I teach. Unbelievers don't say that. This is people that believe that they are in Christ. And Jesus said, I never knew you. I don't know who you are. Depart from me. And here's the caveat. You worker of iniquity. All of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. But we repent. We confess. We turn from it. And the workers of iniquity will be deceived in that day. They will call him. How many of you worshipped him as Lord before you were saved? I didn't. I mean, you can say the word Lord, but I mean Lord. You're Lord of my life. And this last day, this is, it's heavy. It's a sobering thing. But if the days of the coming of the Son of Man are going to be like the days of Noah, very few people in comparison to the numbers go. The people were unapproved. They were weighed and found wanting. And they were uncovered. Without a shield, protection, or an ark of salvation. Number two. The days of Noah were clearly demonic. Turn in your Bibles back to our text to Genesis chapter 6. It says in verse 1, it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth that daughters were born unto them. And the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and took them wives of all they chose. And God, when he saw this, he was angry and grieved and said, my spirit will not strive with men for they are also flesh. And from watching this, the sons of God come into the daughters of men he made a time frame that man could no longer live past a certain amount of time. And it said that the offspring, these were the giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and bare children to them, and the children became mighty men which were of old and renowned. Conservative scholars would tell you, uh, and with many valid points, they would tell you that the sons of God here were simply men. Line coming from the lineage of Seth. But I have a problem with that. And the scripture seems to interpret a more very troubling supernatural view to where we can't just put it in a nice manila envelope or folder and say this fits. Every time this Hebrew word translated sons of God was used in the Old Testament, it referred to angels. With one exception, Adam. 
It refers to created, not born. Created. Angels were created. Adam was created. But from then on, the Jews, nor anyone, they weren't sons of God until the new birth came. So the Bible says that these sons of God, let me just read two of them to you. In Job 1, uh, there was a day when the sons of God, the angels, came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also with them. And God asked him, what are you doing? He said, I've been walking to and fro in the earth. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? So we know that there was an entrance to and a visitation, an experience the angels had coming before the Lord. Sons of God. It was translated the angels. Josh, uh, Job 38, because well, we know men weren't coming before the Lord in the days before the earth was created with Satan. We're in agreement to that. There's no way they're coming before the Lord. Okay. Job 38, 4, when God was setting Job straight, he said, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you had understanding. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. The sons of God there were angels. So this would imply, potentially, that angels came to the earth and intermingled, had sex with women. I, I, know, I know that's bizarre. And there are other views. One says that these angels possessed men who had sex with them. But I'm going to present several scriptures to you, not to build a doctrine, but to show you how we can connect the proliferation of evil with demonic activity and Satan culminating in this final burst before his being chained and thrown into the lake of fire forever. Turn in your Bibles to Jude chapter 1. Boy, it's quiet in here. I ain't even, I'm not even going to turn on Facebook. Are you there? Jude, well, there's only one chapter. Jude, uh, verse 6. Are you there? Is it on the screen? And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, their own home, their own housing... He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. And now watch how he connects it. Even, say even. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner gave themselves over to immorality, uncleanness, fornication. And going after strange flesh, which means different flesh. They are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life. So according to this, the angels which first sinned and kept not their first estate, uh, God has sent them to a place, and I'll read another scripture in a moment. Uh, it said he cast them down to hell, and that word hell is translated Tartarus. It's the only time in the Bible it's used. It's not Hades, it's not Sheol, it's not hell, it's Tartarus, which means the deepest place of the abyss. The lowest point, and I'm giving you exact Hebrew and Greek definitions. He said he cast them down into Tartarus, and they're reserved there under chains of darkness. Okay. So to muddy the water further. 
Some would say that these angels that left their first estate are those that fell with Lucifer, the one-third of the angels. And that's the ones he's referring to. Well, that poses a contradiction then. Because the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual rulers and wickedness in high places. If all of those angels are reserved in Tartarus, who are we wrestling against? It would appear that there was a group of angels. And let me just, oh, thank you, Lord. Let me just throw this out there uh, to uh, address those that I say live on the fringe, okay? I get people ask me, Pastor, what do you think about the book of Enoch? Not much. It's way out there. Now, it takes this idea and it gives you great details and all these numbers and names of angels and, and I just have one problem with it. It's not in the Bible. Well, men left it out of the Bible. I think if God was in control of this, he could, put, he could make sure the books that were supposed to be in there were in the canon and those that weren't supposed to be. And then some would say, well, brother, Jude quotes the book of Enoch. No, it doesn't. It said, and Enoch prophesied that the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. Jude quoted Enoch, not the book of Enoch. World of difference. Just thought I'd throw that out there with you for free. So the book of Enoch uh, says that the angels built the ark. Uh, the book of Enoch says that Noah was an angel. And the book of Enoch says there's a whole bunch of Satans. So if you read it, understand that you are reading uh, wild stuff. <laughs> How many of you know that for us to be in balance and for us to know that we're in the truth, it'll be found in his word? Okay, I just, okay. So even though Enoch, the book of Enoch agrees with some of the base things we're sharing today, it adds things that I can't say happen. So you don't have to write me and tell me about the book of Enoch. I've read it. Wasn't really impressed. Uh, and there were many other contradictions in scripture. Once you contradict the scripture, I'm done with you. So, all right. It says that even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Okay. At least we can agree that he's connecting what the angels did with immorality and uncleanness of Sodom and Gomorrah because it says even as. Letter C. The angels were apparently responsible for the birthing of great evil. This is where it gets. All right, Genesis 6, verse 4, verse 3. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for he is also flesh. Which he means, that's it. No more living to five and 600 and 700. He cut, cut it off and said, 120 years. Why would the Lord do that just because the sons of Seth married an unbeliever? That, it seems strong to me. And I'm not one to question the Lord, but in, in watching his dealings, it would seem strong to me that he would change the way he ran the world, letting men live to this age, and then kill every living thing over someone marrying an unbeliever. 
or someone outside of the the people of God. And yes, there was great influence and he, he forbid them to marry the Canaanites and the such, but it seems to me that there might've been something else there. So if, everybody say if, okay. If these angels were able to take upon themselves the form of man, uh, you know, and they were able to somehow foster children, maybe it wasn't uh, sex. It just said that they bore children. How did, how did uh, e, uh, Mary give birth? The power of the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and came upon her. We don't know. We don't know the limitation uh, of the powers that angels have or don't have. I don't know. But I know they're supernatural beings capable of supernatural things. And if, if this is what happened, here's how the Bible describes the children. There were giants. It was translated giants in your King's James, but the word comes from the Hebrew word nephil, where we get nephilim, which means the fallen ones, which would tie to what we just read, having left their first estate. And there was some, it would appear that when they left that first estate, that they're not, they weren't allowed to go back. In the same way, it could be uh, the devil appealed to them through sensuality like he does to you to sin and stumble. Angels were created beings, but they don't have the sensory things that we have. I don't find it hard to believe that something created would sell out a place of glory for temporal passions because I see us do it all the time. We did it. We've done it. And it, would, it, it appears that these angels forsook because it said they saw the women that they were fair. There's the lust. And I know this is, this is hard for me. I've, I've studied it a year before I've talked to you. But there's, it seems that there was a sensuality there. And these children produced giants, fallen ones, men of old. Now I'm giving you Hebrew this entire time which means their children were from everlasting. They were veiled from sight, properly concealed, generally time out of mind, past or future. They were born everlasting. And the Bible says they were men of renown, great fame from the root word shamayim to mean lofty as the sky, higher, ether where the celestial bodies revolve. It would seem possible that these Nephilim that were born, and it doesn't say there were great numbers, but these Nephilim that were born, these uh, children born from the sons of God coming unto the daughters of men, uh, were of great stature and great fame, like world renown. And it would seem probable, if this is what this means, it would connect to all, all of the continents of the earth in their history have hieroglyphics and writings of half God, half men. Uh, you'd see it carved thousands and thousands of years ago, a man on a throne seated and the people standing in front of him come up to his knees. And the Bible said there were giants in those days and afterwards. Some Bible translators believe that the giants, the Anakim, uh, Goliath's family, 
sons of Anak. One was 36 foot tall. And we see, we, we don't like to do it. David killed a giant. No, no, a giant. A giant. There was one man, I think it was Og of Bashan. His bed was 19 feet long. I ain't messing with him. In the natural realm, I'm not, you know, I got something for him in the spirit realm, but naturally I'm like, we good. You stay right over there. Could it be that this supernatural occurrence is what the world tried to pin? Now wait. Could it be that this is what the Israelites saw when they come into Canaan and they made the statement? It wasn't just that we're unable. He said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. Not now, if they were just seven foot tall or eight foot tall, I'd say I'd feel like a little kid in their sight. He said, there were giants in the land and we felt like grasshoppers in their sight and we were grasshoppers in our own sight. Now there were others that came in, the Joshua and the Caleb and said, we're more than able to conquer. If the Lord has given us this land, it's ours. But they were afraid. It wasn't just, this was, this was a fear that they never done before. They would at least go fight and lose. They said, we're not going in there. We're not going in there. Something was there. And the Bible says that the giants were on the earth in that day and afterwards. Guys, I know I usually close around 1130. Will you give me a little time to finish this this morning? Okay. If you need to leave, I don't like you. Um, Okay, real quickly, 2 Peter 2, 4, turn there. I, I just want you to look at scripture, 2 Peter 2, 4. So right now, so far, Pastor John has preached, if, 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 it's only one of two things, either they were born men or they were born part men, part angel. There's, there's no other option because that's the only two the scripture tells us it could be. Okay. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, okay, not rebelled. Isn't God know how to say the angels that rebelled with Lucifer? He took how many? One third out of heaven? He said, no, the ones that sinned, he cast them down to hell, that's Tartarus, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So these angels send a specific sin that has bound them into the lowest part of the abyss and they are not active in the earth. So they cannot be the angels of the rebellion because we wrestle against them now daily. So they can't be the same thing. That much I know they can't be. These angels are imprisoned. So if this is the uh, uh, proper interpretation... It would explain the global historicity of godlike beings, half men, half gods with great power. It would explain the devil's plan to thwart the fulfillment of the coming seed that would bruise his head. Now I'm asking you, in Genesis, when God judged Adam and Eve, he said, and about the serpent, he said, uh, this, I've, there's, I've put enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Seed of the serpent. And I had read one scholar said, well, that's just unbelievers. No, he didn't say unbelievers. He said the seed of the serpent. There's an enmity there. So if the bloodline could be infected, 
and it spread throughout humanity, then the Christ couldn't come. In the same way Herod tried to kill the babies. There's been a perpetual desire and design and effort for Christ not to be born into the world. It would potentially explain how some of the earth's greatest structures were created and built with angelic wisdom, with angelic might, with great force and great strength. Uh, some of the mysteries of the world could be unlocked. Uh, your pastor believes, I'm going to slide over here just a moment, side note. I believe that the rebellious angels are going to be part of the last day great deception. The Bible said, because the earth loved not the truth, God sent them a strong delusion that they may believe a lie. Appearing as angels of righteousness, all the while being angels of darkness. Uh, there is a chance that they may come on the scene. You know, we've been programmed for 20 years, everything, ET, UFO, whatever, and it could be presented as a big joke. And here's this angelic creature, say, 10, 11 foot tall, looks just like us, and said, you know, we're not what y'all thought, we're not this, and present themselves as otherworldly and say, you know, the religions, you all have a piece of it, but you're God. And we're God. God is in all of us. And they'll do signs. They, you know, the Antichrist will be able to call fire out of heaven. The false prophet will. The angels might present themselves. They're not going to come out and say, hi, we're angels of Satan. There will be some type of delusion so strong. Can you imagine if the little orbs that are recorded everywhere, if all of a sudden they become angels and appear on the earth? The Bible says the shepherds, okay, let's, let's parallel one we know for certain and that didn't rock your world, that all of a sudden the sky is filled with a host of angels singing glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Where'd you come from? Right? They, couldn't, they're so, they can be so strong to kill 185,000 men in one night with a sword. Great strength, great force. And they're going to present themselves, I believe, as angels of light. I don't plan on being here when they do that, but that could be what they do. This would explain to me. Now, this is John the believer, not the pastor, not your pastor, but the believer. That would explain to me why God would wipe out every living thing on the face of the earth. Said, so, no, it was just sinners. Then why hadn't he killed us 20 different ways since then? I'm not going to destroy the world by water, but how about by dirt? How about by fire? How about by explosion? How about disease? If that was it, if it was just sin, right? It, it, it would seem that something demonic was going on there. It would also, and, and this is, again, I want to preface this, it's important. I'm talking to you as a fellow believer that's searching the scriptures. I just want to be in truth. I, I, don't want, I don't want to add anything from Enoch and the crazy stuff, but I'm reading it in the book. I'm reading it in the book. It would make sense to me as a believer how God would tell the Israelites when they went into Canaan to kill every baby, every male, every female, every old person, every cattle, every dog, every, everything. That sounds brutal to me. That doesn't sound like the Lord who is 
plenteous in mercy and kind. And I know they're evil, but there's a lot of evil. But the Bible spoke of Anakim and, and all of the giants that lived there and that crossbreeding. And the Bible says that the uh, giants were in the earth in those days and after that. It's not a common thing, but it appears to be a possible thing. And it would make sense to me explaining the destruction of the earth and then the destruction of Canaan, why God said, don't let anything live. Don't let anything live. Could it be Satan not knowing everything knew enough to go occupy the promised land before the Israelites got there? Could be. It would bring clarity to the pr giants being present not only in Genesis 6, but after those days as the enemies of Israel. Now, this is one that uh, your pastor studies a lot and... It's, it's not X-file kind of stuff, but we're living in it. Listen to this. It could potentially point to the reality of DNA modification that has only been made possible in our lifetime. Now, if I've just absolutely turned you off, the idea of mentioning that that could be a theory, you're done with me. Let me ask you this. If that were possible, and those angels were be able to produce offspring, men of renown, men of old, everlasting offspring. When they died, or when they were born, what were they? They didn't have a soul. They were just creatures, evil creatures. I have not yet had a, I called all my pastor buddies and they're like, what are you studying? I called everybody. I called Rabbi Greg. I said, give me the lowdown on the Hebrew. I did. I said, tell me straight up. And he said, that's always been the Hebrew belief, that these were angels. That's what he said. And he goes, that's hard to talk about. I said, you telling me? I've got to do it in two weeks. So, um, so I can't get anyone to give me a straight answer where a demon came from. And someone would say, well, it's an angel. Well, the Bible doesn't say it's an angel. The Bible doesn't speak of any angel going into a person now, Satan entereth the Antichrist. We don't know if that's personally or just empowers him. I, I don't know. But could it be? Could it be that the Nephilim, when they died, their spirit has nowhere to go. They have no soul. And they are the ones that comb the earth looking for housing, looking for uh, where the demon said, please cast us into the pigs. Don't, don't torment us before the time. We know who you are. If there were hybrid evil birthed, it would make sense to me that that would be a demon that looketh, looketh for a place. And when he come out of a man, he goes through dry places. You remember the Bible said looking. And if he can't find another place, he comes back with seven more worse than himself. So it either has to be the spirit of the Nephilim or angels have the capacity. But the Bible doesn't tell us that angels occupy people. So see, there's a lot of questions unanswered. And I'm not going to leave you with just unanswered. I'm going to tie it together. I promise. I promise. Get me some water. DNA. And you know, we've, we've, we have created a crossbreed of a mouse and a pig. Do your research. We did. It's in the Bible, by the way, too. Um, look it up. Good research. So if, if, and I, I hope I haven't sounded redundant saying that so many times. 
If God was going to, in the last day, in the last day, the books would reveal, Daniel would come to life, Ezekiel would come to life, and now we realize in our lifetime, we have the capacity to modify DNA, to make changes, incorrect changes, unauthorized changes, changes that are not godly. It could be assigned to us, just like in the days of Noah. But I thought angels were sexless. The Bible doesn't say that. It only says that in the resurrection we are not married or given in marriage because we will not die. And there will be no need of producing offspring and we'll be like the angels in heaven. No mention of the angels in the earth. We'll be like the angels in heaven. And by the way, the, the, the sexless dynamic of, of angels. You do understand that women can be sons of God. Women can be sons and men can be a bride. Right? Okay. You need to know that every time the word angel is translated in the Bible, it's translated in the masculine form. So it would appear all that's been revealed to us is that they are all male. Zechariah has an allusion uh, to visions and prophesied what he saw in the vision that two women appeared with the wind in their wings taking evil from one land to the other. So see, it gets, it gets cloudy, but at the same time, the Bible doesn't say they're sexless. It just says that they're not married, nor did they give in marriage. So the answer to all these things, I want you to leave so happy that you don't know. <laughs> Tell everybody, I don't know. I don't know, but something evil's going on. I know that. Okay? So I just, an angel, an angel can't reproduce. They can eat. How does an angel eat? Does he have a stomach? And I'm not being lewd. If he has a stomach, he has bowels, or does he eat and it goes into just a hole? The answer is we're not told, but we know that they can be so closely presentable as humans that you could buy one dinner, sit down, pray with them, and then leave, and you not even know it. I want to see one. No, you don't. Oh, yes, I do. I want to see one. I want to see a bad one, too. I really do. I want to see a fallen angel. You're, you're boasting. No. I want, to, I want to stand in front of him and say, no matter what you say about me, I'm going to test out what my Lord said. And I am blood-bought, son of God, and my Christ will rule and reign forever. I want to tell him. Now, my knees may knock a little bit. I thought the angels uh, didn't marry it. Well, the Bible says the angels in heaven, like the angels in heaven. And um, anyway, okay. Ben, if you come up, rescue me. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna tie this together. This is what we know for certain. Where are you, Ben? Don't be long. All right. The earth is filled today with violence, wickedness, perversion, and rebellion. And it despises the idea of God, the name of God, the Son of God. It repulses. And anything it can do to his offspring, 
the seed of Satan hates the seed of the woman. And not only the Christ, but us. We know this. We know for certain there is an evil proliferation on the earth today producing giant forces and giant men and women of influence that are filled with hatred of God, the church, and the nation of Israel. We know that. Sensuality and immorality has never been more common, accepted, and celebrated in the history of the world. In the days of Rome, there would be uh, temple prostitutes and such. But you would have to travel to get there. And now a four-year-old can stumble upon bestiality on a computer in three seconds. Four, it's the accessibleness to it. Did you ever think about where the Lord said in the last day they'll heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears, having love not, you know, because of the truth. We've never been able to heap anything to ourselves. You'd have to go buy CDs or a cassette or something. Now you can turn on the internet and download a hundred sermons that say just what you want it to say. It's that proliferation in this last day, not only of, of, of the word of God, but of error and falsity. Man is unconcerned. We know this. Man is unconvicted. Man is unrepentant, unprepared, and unprotected. And he will absolutely be taken off guard when the Lord returns to bring judgment upon the earth. His judgment will be complete without exclusions or exceptions and will be for eternity. The righteous few will prepare themselves in the sight of the ungodly. Just like Noah prepared himself in the sight of the ungodly. And only those who have an ark of safety, built exactly as God commanded, sealed within and without with pitch, one that God will shut them into, will keep them safe from everlasting judgment. Christ is our ark, the blood of our doorpost, our lamb, our scapegoat, our sacrifice, our savior. So it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the son of man. In the days of Noah, there was one way to safety. Don't you take part in an economical movement that tell you there are many ways, many paths, many gods. One ark. One ark. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. One ark. It is built according to God's specifications. Christ had to come. He had to come born of a virgin. He had to be born in Nazareth. The, the bread of life had to be born in the house of bread. He had to be rejected. It has to be the specs, exactly like God said. And when we come into the ark, well, the Bible says that we pitch it within and without with pitch. Those of you that enjoy studying, go look up the Hebrew word for pitch. It's translated atonement all through the Bible. He said, now for your ark not to leak, you got to have the atonement of Christ through every board and it won't take on the water. It seals the life of God. The propitiation he paid for our sins. No water getting in. No matter how long it rains, we are safe and secure. And then finally, and God shut them in. He didn't shut the door. God shut the door. So in the last days, I gave you 50 ifs, and now I'm giving you like five, I'm telling you. When God saves you, you are saved.
You are saved. It don't matter what the devil does. It doesn't matter what the fallen angels do. It doesn't matter what the principalities do. I am saved. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life. And the, the, the wrath of God does not fall upon his children. We escape. And the Bible tells us, and we close with this, pray that you be accounted worthy to escape the great and terrible day of the Lord. And that's what I want us to do. Let's pray together. Just where you seat, say, Lord, I want everything in your basket. No connection to my old life. No connection to that wrong relationship. No connection to that thing I'm listening to that contradicts your word. No connection to the thing I'm watching that contradicts your word. No connection. Lord, we're not hung up today on we're the giants born of angels. We want you to know that we know that you have the power and the promise to judge the world. That's what we know. And you've shut us into an ark of safety. Blessed be your wonderful, wonderful, great name. Well, Pastor John, I'm not sure, but I know this. I know the world's broken. I can sense it all around me. Is it too late for me? Not if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved and forgiven with no one looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you. Say, Pastor John, I'm making my election sure today. I'm praying. I'm praying. It's resonated in my soul today. I know we're coming to the end. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Y'all stand with us this morning. Give me 60 seconds and I'll let you go. We are not to be preoccupied with evil and preoccupied with things like I taught today. But we're to be aware of them. And what I want you to go home with is this. If the devil goes as far as sending fallen angels to infect the will of God, he doesn't stand a chance. That's good, isn't it? We win in him. God bless you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day.